Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host of I Just Blank Now What? How's everyone doing on this beautiful Wednesday or whatever day of the week you happen to be listening to your favorite podcast? I'm doing really good. I'm so excited for this month, September. It is one of my favorite times of year. Although I am a summer girl through and through, fall is my next favorite time of year. I love the fall leaves and the, just how beautiful it is outside. I also love fall fashion. Uh, if you know me and follow me on social media, you know that I am a self-proclaimed fashionista and fall fashion definitely is like my favorite. Sweaters and boots and wraps and scarves, all of that stuff. Oh, gotta, I gotta love it. Back to the topic at hand. Today's episode, my wonderful friend Tiffany Ma, aka the Plant Mama, is on the podcast with me today. She joined me last season for an Instagram live and was talking plants with me. So if you want a little bit of plant info, head over to my Instagram and find that live that I did with Tiffany. But today on the show, she is giving us the backstory to how she became the plant mama. And her story is really interesting because it is a tragic moment that turned into a blessing. So Tiffany's going to be sharing, I just got a concussion, now what story? And it's talking about what happened when she was suffered this brain injury at the end of her, of her university career, and it really changed the path of her life and what she intended and planned on doing and being as an engineer versus what she is now, which is an amazing plant consultant. So I'm going to let Tiff take it on from here and share the story of how this concussion and accident really had a big impact on her life and put her onto a new path. So here is a little bit about Tiffany. Tiffany Ma, also known as Plant Mama, is a planterior designer and house plant consultant based out of Toronto, Canada. While recovering from a traumatic brain injury, Tiffany found plant care to be therapeutic and an activity that connected her to her roots. She started posting her plant and healing journey on Instagram. This passion project turned into a full-fledged business that offers full-service planterior design services. Tiffany now helps homeowners and businesses to plantify and thrive in their spaces. So without further ado, let's get to the now what. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank. Now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually. And in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just blank now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question now what hey friend did you just think to yourself i just love this podcast now what well i hope you do and if you did i got the answer become a patron and support the show For just a $5 financial gift a month, you can access episodes early and without ads. 
Plus, you'll be entered to win our monthly Patreon giveaway, like books and courses from our guests and some fun merch. For just a $10 a month contribution, you'll become an all-access patron and also get bonus exclusive content from me and some of our guests. Behind the scenes, Q&A, bonus questions, all of it. So head over to patreon.com backslash I just blank and now what? Or click on the link in the show notes and become a patron today. Well, hello, Tiffany Ma. Hello, Jessica. How's it going, girlfriend? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really good. It's really good to see you. Even though we haven't actually physically met in person, we are part of a online entrepreneur community. So I just haven't seen, physically seen you in a little while because you and I were both kind of traveling and doing a whole bunch of stuff. So it's really good to see you today. Yes. Great to see you as well. I didn't even realize that we've never met in person. <laughs> just kind of clicked that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you meet like friends yeah. and you're like, oh yeah, we're friends. And you're like, oh, I've actually never met this person. In yeah. Person. <laughs> We need to correct that. We need to like do a little um, in-person meetup real soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've been looking forward to this episode since the first time you and I connected and did an Instagram live and we were talking about plants and all the things. But today we're going to like rewind the tape and we're going to go to the backstory of how you became the plant mama. And your story is all about, I just got a concussion. Now what? Mm, Yes, exactly. I'm so excited to share about my origin story and kind of like what got me into plants and what got me into this whole business. And yeah, I'm definitely excited to share. All right. So let's rewind the tape before we do that, because we've obviously started talking about plants a little bit. Tell the people who you are. Tell what you want people to know about you right now, Tiffany, um, before we get to your origin story. Who are you? Yeah. So my name is Tiffany Ma, also known as Plant Mama. I am a plant consultant based out of Toronto, Canada. Plant consultant is basically just a fancy word for someone who helps people with their plants, with their houseplants in particular. I help businesses, homeowners, and all the in-between spaces to help them plantify their spaces, make sure that they're selecting the right plants that will thrive in their spaces and for me, the most important thing is making sure that we cultivate joy while caring for these plants. Because I know firsthand, and I'm sure you know, Jessica, how much nurturing for plants can really help with nurturing our souls. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I love it. Plant consultants. I think everyone probably needs one of those in their lives. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, you and I originally spoke, I had moved to a new home. I was finally able to actually grow plants in my house because I had like windows and sunlight coming in because before I was in like this northern facing tiny little condo and I'm like I could not grow a plant if I tried (laughs) so I've really been embracing plant life over the last couple of years and it's nice to know that I have a friend who I can call and been like help what do I do what do I need so that I don't you know invest all this money in plants and then go and kill them because (laughs) that has happened my friend Oh yeah, but, Same here. yeah. But let's get to your story. I'm really excited to hear. I have not heard this at all. You just told me like, oh yeah, I had a concussion and I use plants as my therapy. Take us back. What happened? Yes. How did you get concussed? Yes. Okay. So this actually, let's rewind back to my last year of high school, actually. So this was back in 2012 when I first got my very first brain injury, which was my first concussion. For context, I am a 5'2", small Asian woman 
And I played rugby in high school. Don't know why, <laughs> but I played rugby and ended up getting concussed in my last year of high school. That ended up being a very difficult time, of course, and trying to graduate, trying to do all the things that teenagehood is putting on you, trying to get into university, all the jazz. Fast forward to 2018, my last year of university. So there's some parallels here, I guess. Um, it was my last year of university and I got concussed again. It was a, another sports accident. I guess I should not play sports anymore or should also just wear helmets when doing anything physical because, yeah, I got concussed for my second time. And for those of you who are not too familiar with concussions, they always tell you, the doctors always tell you after your first concussion, like try not to get another concussion because the recovery is a lot harder the second time, the third time, et cetera. So because this was my second traumatic brain injury, the recovery was a lot harder, a lot longer. I really had to withdraw from school, basically. I couldn't even do my daily routine of, well, back then as a student, my daily routine was going to school, going to lectures, taking exams, et cetera, right? And to really have to put my whole life on pause like that because of my health, it was really, it was a really hard, challenging time for me. And at that time, because I wasn't able to look at screens, I wasn't able to look at computers, I wasn't able to be connected to the digital world, I really embraced, well, I had to embrace the disconnection from the digital world. And for that, that meant connecting with nature. And I remember vividly the very first time that I stepped into a greenhouse in the winter during my concussion phase, during my recovery. And I remember being kind of transported to this lush oasis in the middle of dead winter in Waterloo. And the winters there are really bad. But I just remember walking into this greenhouse and just being transported to this lush, tropical, humid oasis. And I'm like, oh, wow. If walking into this place can make me feel like that and feel so relaxed, like imagine caring for plants, caring for these living beings and that's exactly what I did. I kind of threw myself into the plant hobby because at that time I really didn't have anything else to do with my time. And I'm so glad I did because plants really did change my life for the better. It led me down a path of healing. It led me down a new career path that I didn't even think for myself. And now it's connected me with so many wonderful people, including you, Jessica, and the plant community. And I'm just so thankful that even though it was a really difficult time in my life, the silver lining is now that I get to, to work with plants for a living and to help others cultivate joy while caring for plants as well. Because you and I both know how healing it can be to care for plants. Oh my goodness. I did not know that about concussions mm. and, and like suffering like a second concussion kind of like doubles down on your, like, it's like it builds, right? Like yes. you get one and then you get a second one and you're like, even if the second one may not be as, as big of a concussion yes. or like the actual accident might not have been as traumatic as the first one. Yes. Your recovery and the impact it has on you is that much more because you've had multiple. Exactly. It's a long-term thing. It was a long-term recovery process for me. And honestly, still to this day 20, in 2022, there's still symptoms that I deal with and I manage and I'm able to manage because 
of the life that I've kind of built for myself and the career that I have now. But honestly speaking, like in my past life as an engineer, I studied environmental engineering in university. And if I went with that career path, I don't think I could have survived in that world because I would have had to be at an office nine to five looking at a screen every single day, right? Mm -hmm. And the career that I have now, I don't have to. Can schedule my meetings to have limited screen time. And I try to be very purposeful in taking breaks and spending time in nature because Mm -hmm. I know how much that helps with my, with reducing my symptoms, right? Yeah. So the thing with concussions is that it, the symptoms and the intensity and the recovery process is so different for every single person. I've been fortunate enough to have a community where we all are kind of concussed and we all kind of talk about how we manage our symptoms and how it came about. And it's just quite interesting to see the spectrum of symptoms when it comes to concussion management. Yes, I totally can see how all of you in that community, even though you technically went through the same experience of a brain injury, each of you having a very different journey of recovery, kind of like everything, like whether that be a heart attack or cancer or all of the people who have that common thing about them, their Mm -hmm. journeys are all still so different. Yes. Yes. That's so true. It's, it it can apply to so many parts of life. And I think the one thing I want to get across is that like your recovery journey is your own recovery journey and you shouldn't have to compare it to someone else's recovery journey. Because for a while I did that. I was like, it's, it's been a year. Why am I still feeling headaches? Why am I still getting migraines? Why am I still sensitive to light? Why do I not have my life back? And I would compare it to other people who went through concussions and I would read like success stories and all that. And that comparison game can be so paralyzing because yeah, like I said before, it's, it's so different for every single person. And it just adds to the layer of stress if you're comparing your recovery journey to someone else's, right? Absolutely. So at the beginning, Mm. when you got your second concussion, what were the suggestions and recommendations for your recovery from the medical world? We will refer to them. Um, Like what was kind of like, here's a starting point. Here's the thing that you should and should not do when you're recovering from a concussion. So because this was my second rodeo, I kind of knew what, I kind of expected what they were going to say. So when I went to the ER and they confirmed, yeah, you're concussed. Basically they say for the next like week, stay in a dark room without any stimuli. I remember so vividly like lying in my bedroom in a dark room where I have all the shades pulled down, no stimulus. So you you literally lie there and are in your head. (laughs) And that's a really dark place to be sometimes, literally, figuratively and physically. And part of that recovery involves really isolating yourself from the very stimulating world outside of us. And part of that recovery also involves a lot of rest, a lot of downtime, a lot of, again, away from screen time and anything that aggravated my symptoms. So that is like the general basic care that doctors will give you the spiel on when you get a concussion, which is to stay away from stimulus, stimuli, stay in a dark room and rest. And that's kind of it. They just set you on that path and it's like, okay, well, a week later, what now? Like I still 
felt my symptoms. I was trying to adjust to this really stimulating world while concussed. And it was very difficult to navigate the world as I knew it in a di- from a different lens. And so I had to teach myself how to kind of cope with not being able to be out in broad daylight because the sun would literally give me headaches right away. Or even the I was living in student housing at the time, so I had roommates. And they were very cautious about being too loud or playing music too loud or anything like that. But even the sounds of them talking sometimes would aggravate my symptoms. And there are just so many little things that you would never think of unless you were concussed. And it just really made me think like in that time, like it just was like, is this my life now? Is this the quality of life I'm going to have now? And that you could see how that kind of feeds into the negative thought cycle in that loop, especially when you're isolated from your friends, your community, your daily routine. So yeah, the darkness is like seeping in into your brain, into your thoughts, into what was going on. Everything. Okay. So that's, that was interesting because that was going to be my question, but you answered it. It wasn't just light stimuli. It was sound as well. Yes. Yes. And that was my specific set of symptoms. I know that Others have dealt with dizziness and like disorientation and vertigo. For me, I couldn't be in a car for a very long time. I could, let alone driving, I couldn't even be a passenger in a moving vehicle because that would really aggravate my symptoms, just the motion of it all. So yeah, people who are concussed, they have such a range of symptoms from motion sickness to anything to do with the eyes, because especially when you get a concussion, your brain is basically trying to find new neural pathways to kind of help you cope and help mm-hmm. you deal with this new state. Yeah, this new state. And so for me, I had to wear sunglasses outside and even in the nighttime. I had to wear earplugs if I was going out to run any errands. And keep in mind, I couldn't run errands until maybe like three, four months after my initial concussion because grocery stores were just way too stimulating, yeah. way too stimulating, let alone like the fluorescent lights, the signage, the, the signage, the, yes. the humming of the freezers. Yes. The yeah. people, just all these situations that would have been a normal day in my life of running errands just became such a burden, such a thing that I had to, an event that I had to plan for, you know? It's like your concussion heightened all of your senses. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And at the same time, like bringing this back into plants too, because it heightened my sim- uh, heightened my senses and it heightened my, I guess, sense of wanting to connect, but not having the resources to connect because I couldn't be on social media. I couldn't be mm-hmm. on my phone all the time. For me, it was connecting with my plants. It was nurturing something outside of myself. It was seeing something that I cared for grow. And I think because I was so stuck in my recovery journey and my, and kind of quite upset about uh, how long it was taking to recover, Mm -hmm. seeing that my daily tasks of nurturing my plants and caring for my plants and seeing that actually equate to something and equate to new growth and progress. Yes, progress. That honestly, I can't even explain like what plants did for me. It almost, because I wasn't seeing the recovery in myself, 
I could see the recovery in my plants. And it was just so therapeutic for me to be able to see that correlation when I couldn't see the correlation in myself. Okay. So when did your concussion happen in the fall? In the winter of 2018. Yeah. You have your concussion. When did you go to that greenhouse? Oh, that was like two weeks in, two weeks into after recovering, two, three weeks into recovering when I was like, I need to connect with nature, but it's the dead of winter and all I see is snow around me. And in the dead of winter, you only get like so much daylight. Yeah. I was like, I need to go to somewhere where, you know, I'm not going to travel halfway across the world to go somewhere tropical. Like, is there any nature around us? And lo and behold, there were greenhouses all around us. There were beautiful botanical conservatories around us. There really are a lot of great resources out there for experiencing nature in the dead of winter. (laughs) Okay, so... Here's my question. What was that draw to nature for you in that like second, third week? Like Mm. why you're like, I need to be in nature. What made you think I need to be around plants? Mm, That's a really good question. I've never been asked that question. I think looking back on it, because I was isolated and because I was in my dingy student bedroom with the blinds down and, and, and no stimulus and knowing that I couldn't really go to my usual stimulating activities of watching Netflix or on the computer or whatnot. I've always been drawn to nature and I've always been drawn to caring for plants. It's just, I never had the time as a student. And as a kid growing up, like I was always out there helping my parents and my grandparents in the garden, caring for the vegetables and the fruits. And I remember having so much fun with my family, caring for the plants. And I want to say because I was so isolated from the outside world and so isolated in this man-made world and my own world up here, I was like, I need to detach and I need to do something in nature. And I knew I knew I needed to be with nature. And I'm so glad I did it because. That was your safe haven. Yeah, absolutely. So did you, would you like go to the greenhouses on the regular, like every day you just go and walk around and just be there, be warm, see all the plants, the mist, the moisture, all of that, Jessica, all of that was just so therapeutic to me, just walking around the aisles and just even talking to the workers there and just like asking them on plants and just really being curious. I dove well into the hobby of houseplants and just learning all these fascinating things about plants, just like really almost distracted me from what was going on my in my life, but mm-hmm. also led me down a path that I'm so happy that I took that path, right? Towards plants and with plants and working with plants. Which isn't a total stretch from your original career plan, right? As an environmental engineer. When you were studying that in school, mm-hmm. what did you think you wanted to do with that degree? Mm, that's a good question. I thought, so... The program that I was in at the University of Waterloo, it was a co-op program. So every four months, I was switching between school term and work term, school term, work term, with no breaks, no summer breaks is what I'm saying. So because of that, I was able to experience so many different industries and so many different jobs within environmental engineering. So you would think that from a co-op program that I would find what I really love and what I enjoy doing. It was kind of the opposite for me. So I found out exactly what I don't want to do with my career and what jobs I don't want to do full time. 
And I think that that's such, still a very important piece because had I not gone through those co-ops, I would have probably gone into those industries thinking I would maybe try it out and, and like it. But I went through that trial process throughout my undergrad. So I knew I wanted to work with, I knew I wanted to work outdoors. I knew I could not be chained to a nine to five life office life. I really enjoyed field work. I really enjoyed being in nature. A lot of the field work that I was involved in was literally taking field samples from the middle of nowhere, taking water samples, taking different types of environmental engineering sample tests of different remote environments. And field work days were my favorite days. It was a chance for me to get out in nature and do the work that I enjoyed doing. So I always knew that I wanted to do some type of field work or work away from the office. I didn't think it would be plants in particular, but I knew that I wanted to work with the environment and nature in some way. That's so cool. So yeah. I don't remember if I told you this, but my original degree in university was environmental science. I think you did mention this. Yes. Yeah. And so same thing. We would yeah. obviously in environmental science. You yes. Have to okay. Go so you know it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in my second year, I was, again, same thing, field study. Mm. And like you, I'm a warm girl. Like, I love the tropics. I love mm. fish. I'm a scuba diver. My family has a sailing company. Like, wa I'm a water baby. Yeah. And my second year field placement for my environmental science program was to go to the Yukon and study snow. Oh, that's amazing. And that's when so my environmental awesome. science yeah. career ended because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to the Yukon to study snow. Yeah. So yeah, so that just, that made me think about that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, there's, I love being outside. I have yes. an outdoor girl, you know, put me in the ocean, give me a fish, like all the things. Yeah. But snow was the one thing that I was not interested in collecting samples of. Yeah. So, <laughs> career change for me happened yes. in that moment. But yeah, I wish more people actually did co-op and did yes. like actual experience of what different avenues of this degree could take them into yes. before they actually commit and graduate yes. and then start a job. So yes. I'm a huge advocate for co-op programs. I wish I had mm -hmm. taken advantage of more of that in high school too mm -hmm. or in university. Yes, so Absolutely. So I'm glad that you had a taste of what you didn't want, which yeah. made as soon as you picked up the flavor of, oh, I want to be out there with the environment, aka yes. the plants, this is my happy place. Yes. That probably gave you that intuition to even head to that greenhouse to begin with. You're totally right. You're totally right. I couldn't do field work out in the winter, but you know, I could go to the greenhouse and experience some nature, right? Yeah. And experience yeah. that happiness that you felt yes. when you were doing field work before yes. or planting with your grandparents or whatever, that joy yes. as a child. And that, that links back to what you said at the beginning of the episode of working with plants, but having the joy of it come through. Yes. Yes. Okay. So okay, you linked it for me. <laughs> you put the pieces together. For there me. we go. There we go. <laughs> yes. So um, what was your very first plant that you bought? I'm very curious. Do you remember? Absolutely. And it's still with me today. It was a snake plant. It was a Sansevieria Laurenti, the snake plant with like the yellow borders. And I remember so clearly like asking the, one of the workers there, what is the most low maintenance plant out there that is very hardy and hard to kill? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yep, snake plant. Absolutely. Absolutely a snake plant. And I'm so glad I went with the snake plant because it 
absolutely is super easy to grow, mm-hmm. is not high maintenance at all. Like now, like four years into my botanical journey, snake plants are probably the most neglected plant in my houseplant collection Same. because they really don't need much water. I have one on my mantle yeah. downstairs and yeah. I'm like, oh yes, I think I need to water that. It's been a while. Yes. Yes. There's so many jokes within the plant community being like, ah, when was the last time I remembered to water my snake plant yeah. or cacti? Like those are the plants that get neglected the most, but yeah. it's okay because they, they like to be to, neglected. They do. They thrive, they seem to thrive on isolation. Yes. They thrive off the neglect. You know what? They thrive off the isolation. And maybe that was the perfect plant for me in my concussed state. You and, yeah. You and your snake plant in yes. isolation together. Yes. Okay. So obviously there's a journey between that first snake plant and your thriving plant consultancy business <laughs> that you have now. Where did you go from there? Walk us through how you turned this into a career, how you turned into a social media plant mama with like 30,000 followers. Like, how did that all start? I'm so glad you asked that because the Instagram houseplant community was the first community that I found on Instagram and like locked in on and really felt that sense of community. So let me take you back a little bit. So in the beginning of my plant journey, I would post about my plants and to my personal Instagram and not many people cared about it. And that's okay. But I was like, you know what? I feel like there's people that care about this. I feel like people would care about my new growth. People would care about the fertilizer I'm using. People would care about these new propagation tricks that I'm trying out. And so I started my own plant Instagram account and it literally started out as a space for me to share the ups and downs of plant parenthood, as I like to call it. And it was literally my online journal, my houseplant journal, to share about the new plant I got or the plant that was kind of not doing so great, but this is the rehab plan that I'm doing for it. And you can see how like organically posting about my own plants and interacting with the houseplant community and seeing all the other beautiful plants that people from halfway across the world are caring for and learning about all the tips and tricks from within the community. It was such a wonderful place to be in at that time and still to this day. And it honestly organically snowballed from that. It started off as a hobby social media page where I was just sharing my journey and it kind of snowballed into this plant consultancy, plant styling business. I think what really clicked for me was when I realized that others struggled with the exact same things that I was going through with plants, but there also was this layer of shame and guilt associated with killing a plant or not having a green thumb, or they would say like, I have a black thumb, I kill everything I ever touch. And I think for me, because I was going through so much, like I said, I really dove into the houseplant hobby. And when I dive into a hobby, I go trial and error. I go experiment, like full experimental processes. And that's the best way to learn. And sure, like there was some shame and guilt associated when I did kill a plant, but that never stopped me from taking care of another plant or trying again. And so that level, that mindset piece, I really wanted to help plant parents out there to realize that it's not their fault that the plant died. You just didn't know the exact environment that it would thrive in, or you may not have known 
because you know the tags on plants these days are just so generic they'll just say tropical house plant and water once a week that really doesn't tell you much at all <laughs> or a new plant parent you're like how much water yeah like, what kind of water warm yeah. water cold water how all of the sun? questions not like full sun shady sun like across the room yeah no, exactly those tags definitely need to be a little bit more descriptive than they are Yes, absolutely. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And so, yeah, organically, people started asking me all these questions. And I realized that there was that gap in not knowledge, but a little bit of a gap in knowledge. But also, I just wanted to help people cultivate that joy in caring for plants. I don't want plant care to ever be stressful for someone. I don't want that to be a source of stress for you. And I know that plant care can be a source of stress sometimes for others, especially when you're dealing with pests or when you're dealing with your plants that are dying and you don't know why. So for me, my mission statement is always to help cultivate plant joy. And that really stems from my beginning journey of caring for plants and knowing how much joy and life it brought back to my own life. And so when I hear my clients talk about themselves negatively as a plant parent I'm like hey stop no you're not you're a great plant parent look at all these other plants that are thriving you just made this one mistake and you're gonna learn from it and you're gonna try again <laughs> so I think that really helped me in my own journey as well to remind others when I remind others I'm also like kind of reminding myself you know yeah, we are, we're literally posting for ourselves. I love the fact that you said it was kind of like your video and photo diary of your journey Yeah, that you just had other people join in and watch and participate in. And then you, they started asking questions. So organically, you just started answering questions for yeah. people and sharing the knowledge that you had learned along the way. Yes. What a beautiful story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank um, you so much. And it all stemmed from this traumatic experience that you went through. Yes, a very traumatic experience. And honestly, like looking back on it, I have made my peace with it. I've made my peace with that time in my life. But there were, there was a time where I really regretted that moment, that one moment when I fell off my longboard, which caused my second concussion. I kept replaying that over and over in my head. And I kept thinking, and this was before I really knew I wanted to go down the career of plant consultancy because there was a stage in my life where I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I knew that I couldn't do the typical engineering, climb the corporate ladder, nine to five office life. I knew that I couldn't do that recovering from a concussion. I even tried for a bit. I tried for a short amount of time going back into the office and working for a, an engineering consultancy. And it was such a negative, well, sorry, let me rephrase that. It was such a pivotal moment in my life because I realized I could not do this anymore. It really reiterated that this path that I saw for myself, that I was studying for, for my whole life, basically, that pathway, not that it closed, but it was kind of diverging. It was a fork in the road. And yeah, I could have gone through the corporate world. I could have gone through engineering and I could have gone with that path, but at what cost? At the cost of my own mental health, at the cost of my own health, physical health, because I was literally working 12 hours a day, pushing through my symptoms, pushing through my headaches, because I was like, this is what I studied for. This is what I 
worked for it. This is really the path that I got to take. And I tried to force myself into it almost. And in retrospect, I feel like I needed to do that just to almost have closure with that path. Because I knew confirmation, confirmation that this is not the path for me anymore. And that's okay. So that you can never have the, oh, what if question. The what if question. You did it. And you're like, and hard no. Hard no. And it wasn't even me that said that. Because in that moment, in those times, I still was so adamant about being an engineer, about making my parents proud, about doing, I don't know why I was just so gridlocked on this path for myself. And it was my support system around me. It was my boyfriend, my friends, my best friends. At the time, it wasn't my family, but it was my friends and my boyfriend Mm -hmm. that was like, this is not, this is a toxic work environment. Your health is degrading. You went through a concussion. You have to have some compassion for yourself and you have to know that this is not the quality of life that you have to live for the rest of your life. And that mini intervention almost like, I was like, yeah, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I can't put my own priorities and my own health second to a job. Honestly, I did. I put the job first. I put my career first before my health. Yes, because of the parental expectations. (laughs) And I'm sure you know with the Asian culture. Oh, yeah. It's either engineer, doctor, or lawyer. (laughs) Or an accountant. So here's what I want to say to you is you went to school. You graduated. You have your degree. I I see your pinky. You're wearing the ring. Yes. (laughs) You always be an engineer right? The, yeah. the, your actual career doesn't change that, doesn't take away all that you went through to earn that. So you have permission to refer to yourself as an engineer for the rest of your life, right? Even if you don't practice that. I'm so gu- I guarantee you all the doctors out there who are no longer practicing medicine, they are still referring to themselves <laughs> as doctors because they went through hell and fire to uh, get those letters behind their name. If you need permission to call yourself an engineer, I give you permission. Thank you, Jess. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and, and yeah, there is a lot of external expectation and pressure from your industry or your family to pursue something because you invested so much time and energy and money into it. You're like, you know, yes. part of it is like, you didn't come this far just to come this far, but at yes. the same time, like you've also invested. And so you're like, do I walk away from that? But yeah. I'm glad that you saw the value in walking away, because if you hadn't, the value of that engineering career would have been chipped away in a really painful experience that you would have been like, engineering is the worst. Yeah. Right. Now you can still be happy and proud of Mm -hmm. what you accomplished as an engineer and see Mm -hmm. the value of being an engineer for other people. Yes. It just wasn't for me. Just not for myself. Just not for me. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So how are your parents now? Did they come around? Do they love your plants now? I was literally going to bring a full circle back to the parents. So I'm so glad you asked that. (laughs) Because one thing you said that brought something up for me, because so one thing about concussions that my parents didn't understand at the time, and I think a lot of people didn't don't understand that I do want to share is that concussions and many illnesses are invisible illnesses, even though we're not complaining and we're not physically like you can't see that my legs broken or my brain's not working like we still are dealing with things we still are dealing with symptoms every single day of our lives even if we're not complaining about it and I think for my parents when I initially got the concussion and when I moved back home for a bit 
to recover, they were like, oh my goodness. Like for them, it was like deja vu because the exact same thing happened in high school when I was trying to graduate. And now the exact same thing was happening some odd years later. And for them, they were like, like it's been, so at that point it was like maybe two months down my recovery road. And they were like, are you going to graduate? Like, are you going to go back to school? Like, are you okay? Like you look okay. You can do your daily routine kind of like you can do all these things. And for me in that moment, it was such a invalidating comment to have them, my parents who see me every single day, tell me that like, you look okay. Like, why aren't you going back to school? And I understand, I love my parents and I understand the stress that they were also in seeing their own daughter suffering and possibly not graduating. Yeah. It's very distressing for parents to watch their children suffer. Exactly. So I understand completely. But in that moment, I was like, wow, they really just see it as an invisible illness. If it was a broken leg and I couldn't walk, they wouldn't say the same thing. They would not say that. And even friends, even when they are trying to be helpful or trying to just ask how you're doing when you're going back to work or all this, it, those little statements can be so invalidating for someone who's going through such a silent, invisible journey by themselves sometimes. And I think what all I needed to hear from my support system at the time was that it's okay that you're going through this. It's okay that you're going through this recovery journey take as long as you want because your health is your wealth. Everything else comes second to your own health. And that's all I kind of wanted to hear in that moment, you know, just reassurance that it's going to be okay. And I just feel like now, four years later, my parents still, to this day, like, I think that even though I didn't go through the typical engineering route that I and them had planned for, they now see how much happier I am and how much healthier and how much more vibrant I am going through this career path and doing something that I genuinely enjoy and I am genuinely passionate about. And I get to help others in a direct, impactful way. And for a while, they didn't, they didn't really understand the whole social media thing. They didn't really see like for them, they're like, you're not going to the office. You're not going somewhere to do things. You're just always on your phone. You're always taking pictures. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And trust me, I'm working, mom and dad. Yeah, this is trust work. me. Like, trust me, this is work. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't the traditional role. It wasn't a traditional job, but my parents were also very patient with me. They understood that, okay, she's going through a different career path. I'm going to be patient with her. I'm going to see this out and I'm going to be supportive of it. And, you know, there were times where I had to remind them to be patient, but at the same time, I know that everything that they say and everything that they do is out of love, is out of love. And I think what I'm trying to say with all this tangent is that for anyone who's going through a concussion, and if you know anyone that's going through a concussion or any type of invisible illness, like those words of affirmation, those words of reassurance just go so far for someone who's suffering silently. It can really change your mindset when you're up in your head every single day. And reconnecting with your own social circle and getting back out into the world because you know how like in COVID we were isolated and now we're getting back out in, out into the real world. For me, I kind of had a taste of that with my concussion and kind of trying to 
get back into the new norm for me. And re-socializing with everyone, it was just really interesting moments to just see how people perceived concussions and perceived the recovery of concussions. And they would be like, oh, you're not recovered yet? Like, what's going on? Like, And sure, it's all goodwill. But for someone who is going through it day in, day out for years at a time, that's the last thing they want to hear. That's the last thing they want to hear, right? Yeah. So I just want to say that little bit because I think, yeah, yeah it, it, it's important to, yeah. to have a support system that validates how you're feeling and you know that they're just there to support you. And it's a really good reminder that more people are out there walking around with an invisible illness or disability. Yes. That takes so much more effort for them to do the daily things that most of us take for granted. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. patience mm-hmm. is probably, and kindness yes. is definitely something that we need to have at the forefront of our mind when interacting with anybody. You know what I think would be a really good exercise is if everyone treated everyone else with the assumption that they have an invisible disability mm. or an invisible illness and just hold, hold like care with them with kid gloves. Yes. What a difference that would make, right? Versus the assumption that they're a fully able body yes. adult who is perfectly healthy, has yeah. perfectly functioning and has no things. Yeah. I'm sure nine times out of 10, everyone's going through something. Everyone's, everyone's going through something. Going through something. Exactly. If it's not an illness, if it's not a physical injury. Emotional something. Emotional. Yeah. There's just Mental, so much. Yeah, so much. Yes, so much that could be going on. Oh my on. goodness. Thank you for that <laughs> reminder. I really appreciate that. Okay, so Tiff, so something that I love to ask all my guests is, now what? What's going on with you now? Yes. So after the concussion and after going through that whole time and and discovering this new found planty career path, for me now is all about cultivating plant joy within myself and within my clients. I've got a website launch coming up in September that I'm really excited about where my clients can actually fully see my portfolio and my services and everything that I have to offer. And I'm really excited because I have a botanical convention coming up where I'm speaking and vending and I get to talk about my new product and my new plants and just how my career kind of came about. And that's happening in September as well. So a lot of things to look forward to in the future. All right, cool. I'm excited. You got to tell me a little bit more about that event. I'll definitely swing by if I can. Okay, so where can people find you if they want to talk to you about anything plant-related, concussion-related? Where do you like to hang out? Yes, so you can find me at Plant Mama, P-L-A-N-T-M-A-H-M-A-H. My last name's Ma, by the way. So that's how I got the name Plant Mama. Perfect, so at Plant, yeah, Thank you. <laughs> at Plant Mama on Instagram. I'm on TikTok most actively. And uh, those are the places that you can find me and, until I have the website launch. When, what's uh, your website's name? Because It's going to be plantmama.com. Plantmama.com. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Okay, cool. Oh my gosh, Tiff, thank you so much for coming by the show today and sharing this story. I really loved hearing your origin story of how this all came to be. And I'm just so honored to know you. I think you're wonderful. And it just shows another person who went through something. Life came at you real hard, (laughs) concrete, and you figured out how to move forward from there. And I want to acknowledge you and celebrate you for that. 
Thank you so much, Jessica. I really appreciate you listening and asking all the right questions. And I'm so glad to be able to share my story on your platform. So thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Okay, everybody. So if this episode resonated with you, whether you actually have suffered a concussion or not, give it a like, give it a share. If you know someone who's going through something similar, maybe they have an invisible illness or disability that they're recovering from, share this episode with them because it just may help them figure out their own now what. Find me at jess.loves.life on Instagram and TikTok, Plant Mama as well. And we will see you next week for another episode of I Just Blank, Now What? See you later. See you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank, Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do how to move forward and help you answer now what see you on the next episode